That's our series. It's a good week to remember that the word is a seed, right? And it can be planted in our heart. You know what? About, it's up to us to water that, right? It's up to us to, to water it, to nurture that seed and see it grow. You know, uh, there's a reason Jesus used that metaphor so often. We sometimes as believers can fall into the trap of um, there is such a thing as waiting on the Lord. We sometimes fall into the trap of thinking that waiting on the Lord means we're just waiting on him to make everything he said in his word happen. Uh, one of the biggest differences in that thought and, and what we're talking about mostly with this series is that, man, Jesus did a completed work. When he had his arms stretched on the cross and he said the word, it is finished, he meant it is finished. And as far as the word goes and seeing the word work in your life, it is actually up to you to see the word work in your life. Just like it's up to you to nurture a garden outside in your yard. I know that sometimes you can plant seed and get lucky, forget about it, and see a harvest of that seed. But man, if you plant that seed in the right spot and you water it and you give it what it needs, you are way more likely to see a harvest. Years ago, Annie might remember this, and some of you that have been here for a long time might remember our 4,000 square foot garden we had out here one summer. I mean, it was 4,000 square feet. It was 400 feet by 10 feet, and it was big. And we had corn, and we had cucumbers, and we had everything. We had the back left-hand corner was all peppers, all the kind of peppers we could plant. And uh, for whatever reason, the peppers didn't grow in that first little group of, of uh, vegetation that grew. And also, I'm not a gardener. You're probably laughing at me if you are. You're like, vegetation. He calls it garden vegetation. I, I don't even know the right words. All I know is those peppers didn't grow at first. And at the very end of the summer, we walked outside, my dad and myself, we didn't know anything about gardening, but we walked outside and we saw a ton of peppers. It was the very end of the summer. We don't know how they grew because we stopped watering that area. When they didn't grow at first, we didn't, even, we didn't even give them water. We thought they were gone. So at the end of the summer, these peppers grew. We learned a whole lot. We learned that when you pick peppers, you should not wipe your face, wipe the sweat off your face as you're picking peppers. We learned that if you do wipe your face with pepper fingers, that you shouldn't go inside and put your face in a bowl of water. That doesn't really help that much. But a bowl of milk works great. In this case, half and half. Even half milk. Just pour it on a bowl, put your face in it. That works a little bit. Uh, but those peppers, we also learned that the less you water peppers, the hotter they get. Those particular peppers, that's a good word. Those particular, this is like one step away from that Peter Piper rhyme. <laughs> but those particular peppers were very hot. Right? But we got lucky. We stopped watering them. We stopped nurturing them. They grew anyway. Had we known how to take care of that garden, man, the harvest that we saw, which was great, it was fun, and it would have been even greater. It really would have been. And that's the way the word works in your life. Man, you hear it. You've got to water that word. You've got to nurture that word. And the word within you will grow like a seed, like a plant. And you will see an abundant harvest in your life. Last week, we talked about what does it mean? What does it look like to outgrow a life, uh, the, the life of a believer, where we can maybe change uh, a, a kind of works mentality that so many believers have to the mentality instead of focusing on ourself 
and our good works, what we can do, but changing our focus and putting it on Jesus and the work he did and completed. And what does it look like in a believer's life when we make that change? Well, we outgrow an old way of thinking. And today, I'm going to reiterate some of those points, but in doing so, I'm going to read from the book of Galatians, where Paul writes to the church of Galatia with the, who were having this issue where they were saved by grace, they were saved through the Holy Spirit, but when Paul left, they fell back into a works mentality. Instead of focusing on what Jesus did, they started focusing on their own good and bad deeds. And it is a good example of when you outgrow an old way of thinking and fall back into it. That is a trap of the enemy. Sometimes you, you get this revelation. Sometimes you can even uh, apply this to, to the non-spiritual part of your life. Man, so many times we get a revelation on, on a healthy lifestyle, right? How many times have we done this? January is coming up. We get a revelation on a healthy lifestyle and we decide I'm going to make a change and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the contents of my refrigerator. I'm going to change my workout routine. I'm going to change the way I go to bed and wake up. And, and sometimes we, we make a lot of progress and then sometimes we fall back shortly after. But it, and, and, and just like in the natural, this spiritual principle works the same. When we outgrow an old way of thinking, we are so prone to go back to the old lifestyle. My dad used to call it the comfort zone. Even if something is uncomfortable, even if it's wrong, the longer you are there, it becomes comfortable to your flesh. And when you get out of that comfort zone and you start to make some changes, some, for some reason, so many times our flesh, our mind starts screaming, go back to where it was comfortable, go back to what you recognized. Even if what you recognize, even if your comfort is in a place that is not healthy for you. Our bodies, for whatever reason, still scream for that comfort. And a lot of us see it happen yearly with New Year's uh, resolutions that, that we, we jump on at first and then we, we fall back a little bit. But it's the same with the word. When you get a word, when you get some understanding on the Holy Spirit, on grace, and, and you're making changes and you're seeing things happen in your life that you've never seen. Man, for some reason, our flesh still says, go back. Go back to that old way of thinking. This is new. It's scary. It's uncharted water. It's uncharted water. But you know, when you outgrow a certain mindset, and it's the Lord bringing that growth, man, keep moving forward. Don't look back. Don't look back. Like a light bulb just went off in somebody. <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> Sometimes I really do wish that like we saw the world in cartoon or Muppet. I would love to be able to see the world in Muppet. Uh, but like but a cartoon would be better because like as a as a minister, as a preacher, if I could just like see light bulbs going off and I would just like focus on those people, you know? Like, oh there's a light bulb. I'll talk to this person right now. But also that would be a negative thing if like you have an off day. Like a few weeks ago I got home and I was like, boy, I'm glad I'm glad I worship was awesome because that message was a C minus at best. And, uh, you, but, but on days like that, you just, you, you know, light bulbs just like, you know, that would not be good. That'd be very hard to deal with. So I take it back. I don't want to see the world in cartoon. I still would like to see the world in Muppet. Like Muppets. You know what I mean, right? Like Muppets? Yeah. Kermit? That's actually in my notes. I, w I was hoping somebody would laugh at that. 
There you go. I'm going to pretend like that laugh was for the Muppet. I mean, it's funny to think about the world in Muppet, right? Am I wrong about this? I mean, you know how they walk? They always walk like this, like with their shoulders bouncing and things like that. Yeah, we love the Muppets. All right. A big majority, not a big majority, but a large part of the modern day church, we talked about this last week, are very focused on behavior, but the wrong behavior. The behavior of ourselves, not the behavior of Jesus. And I'm not saying that we don't need a, to work on our behavior and, and act. Listen, this world that you live in is very, very works oriented. Have you noticed that? This world that you are actually a part of is very works oriented, right? If you don't work, you might not eat, right? It's very works oriented. If you break the law, you might have to pay a penalty or a consequence if you break that law. I found out this week, if you catch flounder when it's not flounder season, you'll go to jail. You gotta throw that flounder back. You cannot eat that flounder that you're looking at and you're like, this is gonna taste so good later. It will not taste good later. You have to throw it back or you'll go to jail because it's not flounder season. This world is very works oriented. Thank you, Jesus, that because you completed the work in the Spirit, God saves us by grace and we receive life, not because of our own works, but because of the work Jesus did. Thank you, Jesus, that because of your good work, we receive the Holy Spirit, not because we deserve Him or have earned Him, but because of Jesus. Man, I am so glad that we have a God that relates to us through grace and not our own good works. When I was 15, I had a breakthrough in my life at youth camp. I was down, I felt, I mean, I, maybe it was the closest in my life I've ever been to being even a little depressed. I just remember weeks and weeks focusing on some negative things that were happening in my life and I remember feeling depressed and it was the first time in my life I felt like the Lord was far away from me. I knew the truth, I knew He wasn't, but I felt like he was distant. And I remember sitting behind a chapel at Camp Courtney, North Carolina, Hendersonville, North Carolina, uh, by myself on this little bench. And the band that was leading worship that night started playing this song. It's called, this specific song is the song called Love Song that was on Third Day's first album. And it's like a love letter from Jesus to the church. And I felt like Jesus was standing behind me singing that song straight to me. I remember breaking down in tears. And in that moment, I had a breakthrough in my life where I knew that I was loved. And I felt the nearness of Jesus like I hadn't in weeks and months. And boy, that night when worship service started, I was the first kid at the front. I was jumping up and down. I had my hands up. I, I was excited. The next morning, I woke up before the rest of the guys in the bunk, and I opened my Bible, and I just started reading my Bible. I grabbed uh, a guitar, and I just started worshiping behind the chapel by myself, and I took that home with me. I went home, and the first day back in the real world, I was up at 5 a.m. having time with the Lord, worshiping. That moment changed me. It legitimately changed me. A few weeks into that life, man, I remember the first day I slept in past my alarm. I woke up at seven and I thought, I just missed my time with the Lord. I cannot tell you how much guilt and shame and condemnation hit me in that moment. You loser, right? You have been waking up early and spending time with God every day and today you gotta go straight to school without even spending five minutes alone with Him. I went to school that day holding my head down, 
feeling guilt and shame like nobody's business. And that feeling that went away completely like God was far away from me. I'm telling you, in that second, when I realized it was 7 o'clock, not 5 a.m., that feeling came right back. Oh, he's gone again. Not close anymore. I'm not close to Jesus anymore. Man, what a lie. What happened was when I was at camp, I had a revelation on the love of Jesus that I didn't earn or deserve. I had a revelation that he loved me no matter what I had done, where I was at, and he was close to me no matter how it felt. But when I went back home, I immediately, as soon as my behavior slipped, went back to focusing on my own behavior and my own works instead of the work of Jesus. And I'm telling you, I felt down. I felt low, and I remember even that night kind of avoiding prayer time with the Lord because I was like, I, I got to get that two hours back first. I got I to find two hours to spend with Jesus, you know, before I can even go to him and, and talk about the things I feel like I need to talk to him about today. I need to go get in the word. I need to catch up on my Bible reading. I need to catch up on, on that worship time before he's going to accept me again. Man, I let the enemy convince me that my behavior was the most important thing. Man, got my focus right back on myself. It's very self-centered. It's very self-centered, but it hides in what you feel like is humility, yeah. right? I, I feel like I'm being humble. I, I'm low, I'm nothing, I'm, but really it's self-centeredness. Yeah. If you're so focused on yourself That's right. that you have to have that thought constantly, I'm just staying humble, then we're not looking to Jesus. Wow. Man, Moses, <laughs> thanks, Lise. <Amen>. Moses. <laughs> Moses was the most humble man on earth, and I love the fact that Moses wrote that. Yeah. True humility is not what the world calls humility. True humility is knowing who you are in God, knowing who you are in Christ. That's true humility. And when you know that what your nearness to God, your life uh, as a believer, the nearness, the, in, in, in the feeling of the Holy Spirit is not based on you, but on Him, and you can keep that mindset I'm telling you, it will keep you moving. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm willing to bet I could have possibly missed chances to minister to other people that day I woke up at 7 instead of 5. I was so focused on myself. So guilty. I can't believe I did this. And there's somebody standing right beside me who just needs me to reach over and say, you know, Jesus loves you. It could be something that simple. But when I'm focused on myself, I'm less likely to even see that moment. Like we talked about last week. A lot of people have this belief that right living produces right believing or everything else. But the truth is right believing produces right living. Right believing produces even right behavior. It really does. Hebrews 12, 1, we talked about this, a quick reminder. It says that we lay aside the sin that easily besets us, not by going down the list of sins every day and making sure we're not doing this, that, check it off, check it off. No, it says we lay aside sin that easily besets us by looking to Jesus. How many of you have ever tried to stop smoking? Did you ever feel like you didn't want a cigarette as you're looking at a cigarette? I mean, does that not make you want the cigarette a little bit more? Or any other habit you've ever had? I mean, would you send somebody who was struggling with alcoholism to the bar? I mean, I don't think you would want to go there if you were an alcoholic. 
That's putting yourself right in front of the temptation. Well, why don't we look at sin the same way? Man, if we're so focused on ourselves and the mistakes and sin, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Man, it's like dangling that carrot right in front of the horse, right? It's, it's, it's like it's the focus that's the issue. But Hebrews 12, 1, Paul says when we look to Jesus, we lay aside the sin that easily besets us. Why? Because as we look to Jesus, it's a constant reminder that he paid the price. That maybe even when our physical works aren't great or aren't good, his were good. This is Paul's message to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to take this verse by verse, and I'm really excited about it. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So much like you, the Galatians didn't witness the physical death of Jesus. But Paul says, or at least the majority of them didn't, but Paul says here that his death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. So we can all relate to that. We weren't there. We didn't see Jesus on that tree. But because of the word, maybe because of our upbringing from children's church to wherever you're at right now, his death has been made as clear to you as you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. I hope you can say that. I hope that you can say that because if you don't know, there's a clear picture in here of what he went through for you. And it's better than the passion of the Christ. And as much as I love the series, The Chosen is better than The Chosen. Pick this up. Read about Jesus. And let that picture of his death on the cross, his resurrection become as clear to you as if you were there. Let's move on. Let me ask you this one question. This is Paul talking, but let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? What is the next phrase? Of course not. Of course not. So do we receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. Hey, the Ten Commandments are great. We shouldn't murder. We shouldn't commit adultery. We should have no other gods before Him. But let's read this again. Did we receive the Holy Spirit because we obeyed all of those commandments? Of course not. We received, well, let's get back to the actual text. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So not about the works. Not about obeying the law. You received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you believed the message about Jesus. Hey, why wait till the end of service to have an altar call? How many of you believe the message of Jesus on the cross? Like, seriously, put your hands up. How many believers? All right? I think all the hands are up, but listen, if your hands aren't up, uh, then there's no pressure. Well, there is some pressure. What I mean is there's no shame in putting your hand up right now and saying, I want to make that choice to believe, to confess with my heart, to believe in my heart and to confess with my mouth. You can put your hand up right now. We're not going to put our heads down. Wait till the end of the service. Close our eyes. This is something to celebrate. So if that's you, you never said yes to Jesus, go ahead and put your hand up. And we can do that right now. All right? I believe every one of you, which means every one of us in here have said this with our mouth, believed with our heart that He is Lord, which means, according to Paul, you have received the Spirit. It wasn't because of your works. It was because you believed. If it wasn't about your works before you were a believer, why would it be about your works after you become a believer? Now, with an actual change happening on the inside, I'm 100% positive when you have a real encounter with the Holy Spirit 
Your works will see a change. You will see a change in behavior. What we're talking about, receiving the Spirit. It is done through believing the message you heard about Christ and not by the law according to Paul in Galatians chapter 3. So let's move on. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Isn't that the question I just asked? If it wasn't about your human effort before the Holy Spirit, why would it then be about your human effort after the Holy Spirit? I'm not even asking you that. Paul is asking you that. Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Paul just said that if you're going back to your own works and human effort, then you've experienced, has come to nothing. Surely it was not in vain, was it? These are believers he's talking to. He is speaking to believers. And what he is talking about is how they have shifted their mentality from, I know I was saved by grace. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Jesus earned it and he gave it to me as a free gift. Somehow they slipped back into a mindset of it's now about myself and my good or bad works again. And Paul says, no, if that's the case, is everything you experienced for nothing. Surely it was not in vain. Was it? It's just like when I was at camp. I had this encounter with the Lord I didn't deserve and I didn't earn. And the nearness that I knew was there was so real to me. It changed my life. And I went straight back to this works thing as soon as I got home. It took me three years to get over that. It took me three years to get over that works mentality once I went back to it. I ask you again, we're back to the text. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. That's a great sentence. Keep that in your mind. I love note cards. When Lisa and I were in Bible college, we would write verses on note cards like this and keep them in our pocket and keep them in our car and keep them everywhere, not just to memorize verses because I wanted that stuff on the inside of me. I wanted that verse to be so available. This was before cell phones made them very available. We had little flip ones back then. But this was a note card we kept in our pocket. This would be a great one. I ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. So next time you're ready to go to the Lord to say, I need a financial miracle. And this voice on the inside or maybe even on the outside says, go to God. Why would he give you a miracle? Why would he give you a financial miracle? You spent the last 20 years destroying your finances. God doesn't give you miracles based on your works. According to Paul, it's based on the Holy Spirit. It is not because you obey the law. Of course not. Now, you could work your own miracle in your life, honestly, if you were just good with your finances. You know, and then it might take some time, but hey, you can be the answer to your own prayer if you steward things well. But it doesn't matter if it's finances or even a health thing or whatever else. Next time you need to go to the Lord and you need a miracle or someone you love is in a miracle and that voice says, why? Why would you even ask God for that? What have you done to deserve that? Here's a great answer. Well, nothing. I've done nothing to deserve that answer. But Jesus did everything. And according to Paul, Holy Spirit doesn't work miracles because I've been good. Let's say that a different way. He also doesn't 
not work miracles because you've been bad. Right? If he doesn't give you a miracle because you've been good, it also means he doesn't withhold because you've been bad. Thank you, Paul. I'm, I'm just reading it, honestly. But here's the thing. I'm going to keep saying it. Right believing produces right living. Right believing will lead to seeing that miracle. In the same way, back to the text. Well, actually, we skipped an important line. I'm going to read the last text again. I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. The Holy Spirit works miracles in your life because you believed the message that you heard about Jesus. So let's see the hands again. How many of you believe the message about Jesus? That means the Holy Spirit works and is working miracles in your life. And whatever thought just hits your head, well, you don't know about this mistake or that mistake. Cast it out. Because the word says right here that that miracle, Holy Spirit is working in your life because you believed. It is because you believed the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, back to the text, this is great. This is so rich. It's so great. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. You know who wasn't mentioned there is a great hero of the faith, Moses. Why doesn't he call us the children of Moses? Why is it Abraham? It's just because he was there when God said, I'll make you the father of many nations, right? I, I, you you are, are going to have sons and daughters that are more numerous than the stars in the sky, the sand of the shore. Does, is that the only reason he calls us sons of Abraham, daughters of Abraham, children of Abraham? Why not, Moses? I'm going to tell you it's right here in the text. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Moses was the law bringer. And the people that were, let's call them children of Moses, the children of Israel, the ones he led through the desert as the law was being given, became right with God through their actions. The law had to be obeyed. And then when it was disobeyed, there had to be sacrifices for a couple thousand years for these people to become right with God. Moses was the bringer of the law. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteous. And Paul says, that's why you're sons and daughters of Abraham. You're sons and daughters of Abraham because just like Abraham's belief made him righteous, your belief makes you the righteousness of Christ. <coughs> Abraham had a relationship with God and it was accounted as righteousness and that's the same with you. Moses was even the mediator we could keep on going with this for a long time. When the children of Israel were called up the mountain, God called every one of the children of Israel to come up the mountain, to meet with them face to face. And do you know what they said? Moses, you go. We'll stay here. And here's what they said. They did not know what they were saying. They said, we are well to do anything God tells you. Just relay the message. Boy, they disobeyed immediately. 
What about Abraham? He went through some disobedience. Abraham was told he'd be the father of many nations. He didn't have a kid. He was told his wife Sarah would be the one that fulfilled that promise to bring a son. He went straight to a concubine and tried to do it on his own. When the children of Israel were disobedient, boy, they got punished hard. When Abraham was disobedient, he was still a friend of God. His relationship with God didn't get cut off whatsoever. In fact, there was times God said, hey, get up and move on. Just get up and move on. We could talk about it all day. We could go into detail. But there's even a difference. They both disobeyed Abraham and Moses. But there's a difference in what happened next. And we are sons and daughters of Abraham. Let's read it again exactly like Paul said it. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, you and I, are those who put their faith in God. Yeah. Man, that's good. Next part of the text. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. Just like Abraham, you and I, the Gentiles have been made right because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations will be blessed through you. That time that he's talking about, remember what he said in the beginning of this? The scriptures looked forward to this time. Not in the future, not the way some Christians believe it only was for the disciples, it was only for the people living in that time. No, this time. You are still a New Testament believer. You are as much of a New Testament believer as Paul was. My dad used to say the reason the book of Acts doesn't end with the word amen is because we still live in the book of Acts. His license plate actually said Acts 29. Acts 28 is the last chapter. His license tag for his car said Acts 29. He said, that's what we are. We get to write Acts 29. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. That's powerful. All who put their faith in Christ. How many of you have your faith in Christ? Remember, we are, let's see the hands again. Very interactive service here. Raise your hands up. All who have their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Let's read that blessing. Let's go back. Let's take a break from Galatians. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, and read the blessing spoken to Abraham. And remember, he received it not because of his good works, but because of his faith. Now, because of your faith, Paul just said, you got the same blessing. So here we go. The Lord had said to Abram, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Talked about that comfort zone earlier. God said to Abraham, get out of your comfort zone. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Have you felt great lately? You have a promise that you will be made into a great nation. If he said the promise that God made to Abraham is for you, then it's for you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. So what is the fame? Is it because I'm very talented and I have 2 million Instagram followers? Blah, 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 blah. No, it's because you are a blessing to others. I will make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's a great promise. All the families of earth are going to be blessed through me. 
back up to Galatians. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. So you know what? Write that one down on a note card and take it with you. If all nations of the earth, if everybody you come into contact isn't being blessed through you, then we might need to change our thinking into some right believing and watch the right living happen. Watch the blessings flow. Even when you're not trying to bless somebody, you're going to end up blessing somebody. Even when you feel like, oh, there's no possible way I could be a blessing to somebody right now. I just had the biggest fight with my family ever on the way to church. And it was whatever today is, October 10th. And in a month from now, somebody's going to say, on October 10th, you looked at me in the eyes and you said, good morning. And it changed my life completely. And I haven't been the same ever since. And you're going to be like, October 10th? That was the way, that was the day I spent three days like in, in fasting and torn sackcloth repenting for. And you're telling me I changed your life on that day? is not because of your actions. It's because of Jesus. Don't fall into the trap of thinking it is about our behavior at all. Back to Galatians. You ready? But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. That's a powerful passage. Let's read it again. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in the book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Did Paul just compare trying to keep the law of God to being under a curse? If you're reading the same Bible I'm reading, then yes. The book of the law is written right here and Paul says right here in Galatians that if you are trying to be made right with God through this law it is like living under a curse that is powerful it's a little bit dark too right it's a little bit scary next verse we're going to add a little bit of light to that darkness you ready for the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. We've already raised our hands saying we got faith, which means you have life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. It is not through obeying the law that we receive life. It is through believing in Jesus. It is not through our good behavior that we find life. It's through Jesus. Yeah, right. Now, through our good behavior, we might find some physical life, right? Through our sticking to a diet, we may actually extend our physical life. Through our exercise routine, we may actually make our life physically healthier. And through spending time with the Lord and spending time in His Word, in worship, in prayer, we may actually 
hear a word from the Lord that changes our physical life for the better. We may actually experience the joy of the Lord on the outside, not just locked up on the inside. Making good choices about living a good way will do nothing but bring great things to your physical life. But it is important to remember, God loves us and never takes that salvation, that life, the Holy Spirit from us or is far away from us or closes his ear to us or stops seeing us because we haven't obeyed the law. But when we fall into the trap of thinking that, boy, I'm telling you, it will affect everything from the inside out. I've lived it. I've experienced it. A lot of you probably have too. Let's read that last part again. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of the law, which says it is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. So hey, that's good news. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. Amen. I mean, the eternal punishment that every believer would even have to receive for breaking the law was taken on the cross. He took the punishment for us. It is uh, filling. Well, we'll get back to that. Let's move on. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. We just read that. So that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. You received the Holy Spirit through faith. You did not receive the Holy Spirit through your good works, through your behavior, through you obeying the law, which means you are not going to lose the Holy Spirit because of wrong or bad behavior. You might have messed up big time this weekend, this morning, or last week. The same Holy Spirit who lived in you before that mistake is still living inside of you right now. Why did Paul reiterate this so much? Because if you have been following along, it sounds like he just keeps saying the same thing over and over again. Because it's that important. You've got to hear something over and over again before you even remember it. I heard a modern psychologist talking about uh, remembering something. You know, we have this kind of filing system in our brain. And when we hear something, it gets filed away. Realistically, I, I believe if I remember this study right, everything you've ever seen or heard is actually in your brain somewhere. Having access to it, some are better than others, right, at accessing those files. But one of the ways you keep those files up towards the front instead of towards the back, I heard the psychologist say that for you actually to remember something where you can physically go back and remember what was said or taught to you, you don't need to just take it in. You need to take it in and then also let it out. In other words, you take in the information and then it could be as simple as you going and telling somebody else about it. Or maybe you take notes. Boy, information comes in, information comes out. Maybe whatever. You, you, you deliver the information you received, and that is a surefire way for your brain to file that information away at a more accessible point than some of the other information your brain files away. Or you could be like me and just absolutely remember everything that ever happens all the time. 
I, I just remember everything. I want to encourage you today, though. If you know, man, I have been the kind of person very focused on myself and my own works. Let's make a change today. Start the process of outgrowing that old way of believing. And start the process of changing your focus to Jesus. And when the enemy or even your own mind says you don't deserve it, you didn't earn it, God's not listening to you, then maybe just say back out loud, I didn't deserve it, I didn't earn it, Jesus did, and God hears everything I say. He saves every tear I cry. He is there with me in every moment, never leaving me, never forsaking me. Yes. Some of you need to say it out loud when the negativity and the lies are coming against you. If I would have realized that at 15 years old when I got home from camp, it would have saved me three years of a lot of grief and a lot of depression and a lot of wasted time focusing on myself when I could have been focusing on a Savior who loved me and just wanted to be with me. I probably would have put myself into more situations where I was even ministering to somebody else because I would have noticed it. I would have seen it. I'm telling you, there are moments in your life every day God is putting somebody in your path that you could minister to. It could be as simple as a word of encouragement. It could be something as complicated as a word of knowledge that God speaks to you to tell somebody. But when we become focused on ourselves and what we've done, good or bad, then we stop seeing those opportunities. We stop operating in that blessing of Abraham, which said, you will be a blessing to everyone around you. That's an awesome promise. And Paul said it was yours. He said it was yours. And all before and after, he said, and it's not based on your behavior. Remember how he started this whole text? Foolish Galatians, who vexed you? You did know that it was about Jesus. You did know that you were made right through faith. You did know that the Holy Spirit worked miracles because of your faith. But all of a sudden, you've started to believe it was about yourself. And then he writes this emphatic letter saying, don't forget don't forget that it was about Jesus. And it always will be about Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Here's what I believe. I believe you heard a word today that especially if you have uh, lived a kind of works mentality life, you can make a change today. But just like the Galatians, you got to keep going back to the truth you've heard today. Romans 12, 2 calls it renewing your mind, and it's another powerful text. Paul writes to the Romans. He says it this plainly. He says, uh, do not conform to this world, but be transformed into a new person by changing the way you think. That's what we're talking about. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Spoiler alert. You'll know God's will 
when you change the way you think, and it's good, and it's perfect. But here in the first part of this scripture here, it's important. If you don't change the way you think and renew your mind to the word, you will conform to thinking the same way this world thinks. Remember what I said, our flesh, man, always wants to go back. The Galatians had been transformed by a new way of thinking, but evidently they had not kept their mind renewed to that truth and they were conforming back to the way the world thinks. I was kind of being goofy earlier, but I was also serious. Remember we talked about how this world is a very works-oriented world. And if you're hungry, I hope you know that, because you're going to need to eat. You're going to have to do some works to get some food. And it just goes on from there. You want to have a house. You want to be mobile. You want a car. Man, you want your kids to be able to go to great schools. Man, there's some works we got to do in this life, in the flesh, because we live in a works-oriented world. And that is the way we will think, even spiritually, if we don't keep our mind renewed to the truth in the Word. Here's a challenge. If you are a bit of a works-oriented person, man, I say this a whole lot. This is not condemnation. This is an invitation into a new way of thinking. This text that I read today is Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. Read it every day. Wake up tomorrow and read Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14, and put yourself as in the position of Paul writing this letter to you. Because you are as much a part of the New Testament church as the people in the Galatian church that Paul was writing to. This is truth. Read it and let it go on the inside of you. And if you don't feel anything after you read it, you might want to remind yourself that this word is living and active. And even if you don't feel something, it's doing something, right? I didn't go outside when we had that garden here every day and think, oh, I feel like that, those peppers are growing. I feel like that corn's coming up. I mean, there was some days for days and days that you could see no changes. But you know, there was something happening under the surface. There was something happening under the ground and it was prepping all of that stuff that was about to happen above the ground. Yes. And so many times when we read the word and as we're renewing our mind to it, we might not feel anything. We might even feel like we were a little bit distracted. But I'm telling you, like a seed, it's going down and it's doing something. And you might not see an immediate something. You might not feel the goosebumps. You might not get a little hair on the back of your neck stand up. But that's not what it's about. Those are cool results sometimes when that happens. That's great. But if it doesn't happen, that doesn't mean nothing's happening. There's things under the surface. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're going to see it start to grow. How? Well, you're going to start seeing some changes in your life. That behavior stuff that you've spent a lot of time trying to get under control will all of a sudden just begin to line up because right believing produces the right living. Those habits you've been trying to kick for years and years and years, right believing will produce the right living. The enemy would love nothing more for you to say this, I got to get this living stuff right, and then all of a sudden, all this will be right. I got to get this living stuff right, and then I'll be right with God. I can go to him every day in prayer, and I won't feel bad about it. I won't feel like he's kicking me out. He's not kicking you out. 
Even if you feel like he is, he's not. That's your flesh telling you that. Or maybe it's the enemy telling you that. Renew your mind to this every day. Here's how you can do it this week. Read Galatians 3, 1 through 14 every day. 